Thank you for joining us for another life-giving message from City Church Now in Progress. Uh, But we're going to pick up where we left off. We started a new series a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we've titled this series Bigger, Better, Bolder. That's not just a clever title that we wanted to assign to the series of messages. I believe it is a prophetic word from God for our church in this season. Amen? A prophetic word from God for our church in this season. That we have crossed over from what was into what is possible. Amen? In fact, I believe that all of our lives go through three phases. What was, what is, but what is possible. And God is bringing us into a season where we're beginning to understand and see what is possible. Oliver Wendell Holmes said it this way, a man's mind, once enlarged by a new idea, never returns to its original dimensions. And in this season, God wants to enlarge our capacity to believe and to receive. And what God does next in your life, I want you to hear this now. This is not just a catchy phrase. Again, I spent time in prayer seeking the Lord. I said, Lord, we're turning eight. That number eight has significance uh, uh, in in scripture. It is the number of new beginnings. And I I said, Lord, as we turn eight, what are you saying to our church? And he he gave me this word that I shared two weeks ago from Isaiah chapter 54. And we're going to look at that here briefly. But God desires to do in this new season more than he's ever done before but he wants us to expand and enlarge our capacity to receive what he does next. Amen. It is according to our ability to believe and receive. Come on, somebody. And the first thing that he has to do in order for us to to enlarge our capacity, in order to believe and receive, is he first has to change the mental picture, the image that we carry on the inside. Now, I, I had this argument Man, this is, I'm baptizing y'all this morning. It's all just coming out. It's anointed too, though. Jesus healed with his spit. So if you need a healing, just move over to the first or second row this morning. Mix it with a little bit of mud, and you're going to see. Glory to God. What was I saying? He will change the mental picture on the inside of you. That's what he has to do first. Now, now I, I used to have these conversations, these arguments uh, with my friends uh, from Bible college. And I would say, seeing is believing. I said, no, man, you got that all wrong, Pastor Ray. Uh, 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 believing is seeing. You have to believe it in order to see it. You've got to believe it first before it manifests. Because the scripture says we walk by and not by So, Pastor Ray, you got it all wrong because you're saying you got to see it first. But how many of you realize if you don't see it on the inside first, you have no point of reference to even start to believe? The God, first of all, has to give us a picture of what is possible on the inside so that we have something to set our faith for. The story is told of, 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 of when, when, when uh, uh, Disney, which one is in Florida, Disney World or Disneyland? When Disney World was completed, that a reporter asked one of Disney's children or made this comment and said, it's so sad that your dad didn't get to see the completion of this dream. It's so sad he didn't see it. 
And this child, I forget whether it was a son or daughter, replied, said, oh, sir, he was the first to see it. And most of us miss the fact that if we're ever going to cross over from where we are to where God wants us is that we must first embrace this new picture that God is putting on the inside of us. It's not a picture of what was your past. It's not just a picture of what is your present, but he wants to create in us a new image and that is what is possible, which has to do with where he's taking you and me next. And so he says in Isaiah chapter 54 to tell the barren woman, this is the woman who has never conceived, who has never born a child. He says, tell her to start singing. Tell her to start rejoicing. Tell her to start acting as if the thing that she's been praying for and believing for has already happened, even though she ain't even pregnant yet. Tell her to start worshiping. Tell her to start praising. Tell her to start giving thanks even before the manifestation of it. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Your breakthrough, my breakthrough, doesn't come at the moment of manifestation. It comes at the moment of persuasive revelation. It comes at the moment when I choose to take God at his word. That's why the woman with the issue of blood, when she, came, she said, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. You know what that was? That was the faith that prompted this woman to press through a crowd of people. Even while she was weak and frail, even when societally she was not even supposed to be in public because she was considered unclean. This lady had such a picture of the miracle working power of God within her that she didn't care how many people were around Jesus. She didn't care what society said. She didn't care about protocol. That picture was so strong and it was so clear that it prompted this weak, frail woman to press through the crowd until she touched Jesus. Long before the manifestation of her healing. The manifestation of her healing was a consequence. It was subsequent to that moment of breakthrough when she saw so that she could believe. And the first thing that God has to do in order for us to lay hold of what is possible, not what is, what is possible, is he has to change the picture, the mental image that you carry on the inside. So he says to the barren woman, this is what you got to do. And listen to this now. Listen to this. What, what, what God is saying through the prophet Isaiah makes absolutely no sense. He tells a woman in Isaiah 54, you can put the scripture on the, on the screen, beginning at verse 1, sing, O barren woman, you who have not born. She says, break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. At first glance, that could seem almost mean. He said, you've been praying for this thing and it hadn't even happened, but just start singing. Just start, just start rejoicing because your breakthrough comes at the moment that picture on the inside changes. And, and, and so the next thing he tells her is not just change the picture. He says, now start taking action. Notice, he says what? 
enlarge the place of your tent. You know what he said? He said, make room. I know right now you, you, you got a two-bedroom house, but what I'm about to do is going to require a third bedroom, a fourth bedroom, a fifth bedroom. It's going to require a garage sale to make room for what I'm about to do. He says, enlarge your tent. But I even had the first baby. Enlarge your tent. In fact, when I started the series, we talked about Hannah. Hannah who couldn't conceive. And the Bible says year after year, year after year, year after year, she brought her petition to God. No answer. Okay, can I tell you, remind you of the turning point in Hannah's life? It was the moment she aligned her desires with God's purpose. Uh, uh, most of us pray prayers that are self-serving. You see, God needed a prophet and Hannah wanted a son. But nothing changed until Hannah said, if you give me this son, God, I will give you back a prophet. Hannah got what she desired and God got what he purposed. And sometimes the delay has very little to do with God. Sometimes the delay has to do with our alignment with his purpose. Because if he give it to you now, you do what you want to do with it. Most of us who have been praying God for something, we got big plans about how we're going to use it. And our plans of how we're going to use what we're asking God for has absolutely nothing to do with God's plan for that thing. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. Again, remember what James said? He said, you have not because you ask not. But the second thing he says is, but even when you do ask, you ask amiss with the wrong motives. And so you pray and pray and pray, God, give me a son, give me a son God, so Penina can stop teasing me. And the Lord says, you have not because you ask amiss. Oh, give me this baby so uh, I can feel better about myself. And God says, God says, when your desires align with my purpose, miracles happen. Are y'all with me? Let me, let, me, let me take a quick deviation as I talk to you about the danger of deviations. Are y'all with me? Can anybody tell me quickly what the difference is between hot water and boiling water? Huh? Somebody said temperature? Good. Varying degrees. May I submit to you this morning, City Church, I want you to consider this, that the difference between hot water and boiling water is one degree. Water boils at 212 degrees, but if you keep it at 211, all you will have is hot water. Y'all not listening to me. Y'all not listening to me now. One degree. One degree of deviation. Or one degree of alignment can be the difference between walking in the purpose of God and totally missing what God desires to do. One degree. Let me tell you, in aviation, let me, let me pull up my notes real quick so I get this right. In aviation, listen, 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 to, listen to how this works in aviation and how easy it is to get lost. In aviation, check this out. 
for every single degree you fly off course. It's just one degree. It doesn't seem like a big deal. But for every single degree that you fly off course, you will miss your target landing spot by 92 feet for every mile that you're off course. Just one degree, you will miss your landing spot by 92 feet for every mile. So every mile you're off course, you're going to be 92 feet away from your landing spot. Let me just put it in perspective. If you're traveling from JFK in New York to LAX in LA, and you started just one degree off in New York, you're going to land 40 miles in the Pacific Ocean because of one degree of deviation. 40 miles in the Pacific because of one degree of deviation. And most of, most of us are praying prayers that are just one degree off. It's like, man, why I can't hit my target? Why I keep, why I keep missing this? For Hannah, it was just one degree. Bring your prayers into alignment with what, what I want. And that's what Jesus taught us to pray in Luke chapter 11. When it, in, fact, in fact, Jesus said, uh, 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 even before you ask for your daily bread, even before you ask for what you need, even before you ask for what you want, your prayer should be, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth in my life as it is in heaven. Then he says, give us this day our daily bread. And most of us jump into prayer. We skip everything in our first line of prayers. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. I need my daily bread. And the Lord says, what about my kingdom manifesting in your life? Mm -hmm. It was the difference for Hannah. It was the difference for Hannah. Now he says, tell this barren woman that she's going to have more children than the married woman. How many of you realize that after Samuel was born and she honored her vow and gave up? Can, can you all imagine being a mother and you've been praying for this baby for years and the baby shows up finally, taking that baby and giving him to the Lord? Some of us would renege on our vow to God. We would be atheists. I mean, we would be, uh, you know how we used to say in the army, there are no atheists in the trenches. Now everybody said, there ain't no God, there ain't no God. Once the bullets start flying, all of a sudden people find religion real quick. But it's short-lived because God brings you out. You bargain with God until you get what you want. And then you come out of the trenches, and all of a sudden you were a big bad atheist again. Most of us would have reneged, but Hannah took that baby and dedicated him to the Lord. Notice what happened afterward. Five more kids. Because God changed the picture on the insider, inside of her and began to show her what was possible. Not what was, not even what is, but God wants to move us into a place where we begin to see and believe what is possible. The seeing comes before the believing, and then when I believe it, I'm going to see it. So the Lord wants to change the picture on the inside of us. So he says, enlarge the tent. Come on, somebody. 
One of my instructors in Bible college would always say it this way. He would say, faith prepares. You could always see what someone is believing for by how they prepare for what they're praying for. That means if you're believing for a baby, go buy the car seat. Oh, but Pastor Ray, I don't want to be disappointed. No, if you're believing for that baby, go start painting the nursery. The reason we don't buy the car seat and the reason we don't paint the nursery is because the picture on the inside hadn't changed yet. The picture that I see on the inside of me is what is. And because I only see what was and what is, it doesn't change my behavior or my actions. And that is an indicator of the picture that I'm carrying on the inside. Because the picture that I'm carrying on the inside will inform my decisions and my actions and my choices and even what I see. Listen to me. Listen to me. One of the great indicators of faith is what's coming out your mouth. Jesus said it this way, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, out of the overflow. So if you want to know if I'm in faith, it's not only by how I prepare, but you listen to what I say because faith is voice activated. You can say, oh, oh I believe, I believe, oh, yeah, God, God, but what's coming out of your mouth? The psalmist said it this way, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Are you with me? These are indicators of what's happening on the inside. Paul said it, gave us a third indicator. He said that, he said that, that God would fill you with all uh, 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 joy and peace in believing. How do I know I believed? How's my joy level? That's why he tells the woman to start singing. Because if you truly believe what you say you believe, the natural response is joy. Because the picture on the inside has changed. You see yourself healed. You see yourself whole. You see your marriage restored. You see your church packed to the overflow with people wrapped around the building. That's the picture on the inside of me. And it informs how I think, how I talk, how I lead. Because God has to take away what is. You see all the empty chairs around you? He, he has to take away that image and replace it on the inside with something greater. And he said, don't wait until the, every seat is full. Start rejoicing now. Start singing now. And then he says, make preparation. Enlarge your tent. Make room. Make room for the people that are going to come. Are y'all listening to me? Okay, uh, you need to apply this in your own life. Now, let me, let me tell you where it gets tough. Oh, Lord Jesus. If I ignore the clock over there, will it go away? It won't go away? It's still going to be there? Okay, okay. Lord Jesus. Everybody remember Pastor Ray started preaching at 11. It's 11.19. I got a few more minutes, Okay. Are y'all with me? I'm talking about in your life now. This, this, the, the principles that I'm sharing are transferable. So, so this is what God says. This is what God says. Uh, enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall. Come on, listen to this. You shall. Listen to, I'm talking about that tiny little business that's getting very little traction. I'm talking about that social media page that only gets three likes. 
He says, you will expand to the, this is the word the Lord gave our church. It's going to be bigger. It's going to be better. It's gonna, he says, you will expand to the left and to the right. That's the picture you have to carry on the inside of you even before it manifests. And like Walt Disney, you have to be the first one to see it. Glory to God. Woo! I, yeah, there you go. Thank you for the polite golf clap. <laughs> Feel like we're at the Masters or something. But I'll give you an A for effort. Thank you. Are y'all with me? But there's something else to this now, uh, uh, Elder Sigler. There, there, there's this, uh, because uh, I think God wants to help us. Because the toughest place to be is, like I told you, in the middle. While you're waiting, while you're waiting on the manifestation of the promise. But he gives us, he gives us some tools uh, to help us while we wait. Are y'all with me? Okay. Uh, so the first thing he's going to do is change the picture on the inside. Uh, then he says, look, make sure your prayers are aligned with my purpose. And, and, but then he says, he says the next thing. Uh, let, me, let me just read it. Let me just read it. Uh, uh, um, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. He says, therefore we also. Hebrews 12, 1, and th 1 through 3, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, mm, let us lay aside every weight and the sin. Notice that there are some things in our lives that are weights that are not necessarily sin. There are some things in our lives that we have to let go. They are weights that are holding us back and keeping us from running the race that God has set before us. It's not necessarily sin or sinful, but it is a weight. Can I tell you one of the weights that will keep you from running your race? And I've said it before, but I'll say it again. Looking to what was and focusing on what is, is a weight. It ain't sinful but it's going to keep you from running your race. Not only is it going to keep you from running your race, but how many of you realize it's going to negatively impact everybody connected to you? Try driving down the tollway looking in the rearview mirror. And that's what we do with life. God's trying to take us forward, and we steady looking in that rearview mirror at what we left. How many of you realize that he's not Lord of what you lost? He's God over what you have left. He says, he says, what you got to do, if you're going to change the picture on the inside, if you're going to be like this barren woman, it, number one, he says, lay aside the weights. I wish I had time to just talk about the weights that are not necessarily sinful. Because most of us focus on the sin, and I got to change my life. But, but sometimes the thing that's holding us back is not that you, you are a sinner, that you are heathen. The problem is you're carrying around a whole lot of baggage. And most of us have forgotten how to travel light. Have you traveled recently and you sitting on that plane and this person come down the aisle and you're looking at it and you say, ain't no way that bag going to fit up in there. I don't care how many times you turn it, twist it, mash it, push it. And most of us go through life trying to force our baggage in places where it won't fit 
when God wants us to check our bags. But we insist on bringing the bag with us. And let me tell you about the problem with you bringing that big bag to real. You only do carry on. There you go. The problem with that is now the whole flight delayed. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Where they got to stop and say, look, every compartment in this plane is full. This plane ain't going nowhere until somebody volunteered to take some of that stuff and take it off the plane and check it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. That's what happens when you and I are unwilling to deal with the weight. So Jesus said, a couple of things, deal with the weight, deal with the sin too now. Deal with the sin too now. Huh? Y'all don't leave and say, Pastor said, I <laughs> deal with the weights. <laughs> no, there's an and. And the sin. Notice it says which so easily. Just easily. You don't even take any effort. It's like you just live with it. It just. He said, look, lay it aside so that you can run this race. What? With endurance. Listen, listen, listen. The journey is not a sprint. And he's telling us up front. Yeah, I'm telling you start singing, but don't get it twisted. This is going to require endurance. And that's why I titled this message, The Long Haul. It is faith for the long haul. Faith to finish strong after you have waited a while. Listen to me. One of my dad's favorite verses of scripture is from Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 36. He quotes it to me often. Come on, dad. Break it down for us. Put your voice. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> What's that? Come on. <laughs> all right. Hebrews 10, 36. I put you on the spot, but that's all right. I I'm with you. Hebrews 10, 36. It says, for you have need of patience. So that after you have done the will of God, you will inherit the promise. Listen to me. He says, after you have done the will of God, after you have done the will of God, after, then you inherit the promise. And so what he says is, check this out. Don't get it twisted. I'm giving you this promise. I'm changing the picture on the inside of you. But this race will require endurance. It will require endurance. It's a marathon. And for Abraham, it was 25 years. Glory to God. Woo! Some of you are like, man, I don't want that kind of endurance. Because most of us are good with one-day faith. But what happens when that one day turns into a week? And that week turns into a month? Am I talking to anybody this morning in this Presbyterian church? And that month turns into a year. And the years, come on, Doc. I'm talking to somebody who's been waiting. And the whole time the Lord's saying, check this out. You got to change the picture on the inside and just run this thing with endurance. Ah, because while you wait, he's developing you. You ain't got the manifestation of what you want. But the whole time, God is getting what he wants because he's developing something in me. I'm being transformed while I wait. I don't even have time to get into, come on somebody, uh, 
I have three pages of notes. And I'm halfway down my first page. Come on, somebody. We're going to pick this up next week. How about that? I'm priming the pump, but I got to say one or two other things, and then we'll let you go. He says, run with endurance the race that is set before you, looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. Look, I'm telling you, you and I will lose our endurance, our will to fight, our will to run, our will to continue if we take our eyes off Jesus. Let me tell you where the deviation begins. Let me tell you where that one degree begins. When I take my eyes off Jesus and I put it on what is. Peter was all right walking on that water though. As long as his eyes were on Jesus. But the Bible says then a storm arose. And the moment, the instant he took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink. I'm talking about the deviations that cause us to sink, the deviations that cause us to quit because we take our eyes off Jesus and we start looking at man. We take our eyes off Jesus and we start looking at our job as our source when God only created it to be a resource. Not just a resource, God is the source. All that other stuff, they're just channels through which God wants to bless you. And how many of you realize that if God is the source, he can open up as many channels as he wants to? Not that stinking job. Where they don't even want to give you a raise? He is your source. And the reason we deviate is we take our eyes off Jesus. So he said this thing is going to require endurance. And the only thing that's going to get you through is you put your eyes right here. Because if you take your eyes off me, the deviation begins. And you're going to end up 40 miles in the Pacific. And then you're going to say, how did I get you? It was just one degree over time. So this is where I close. Uh, let it be noted in the courtroom that this is my first closing. <laughs> Here it is. We're going to pick this up. We got some good stuff to talk about next week. I didn't get anywhere close to what I was going to say. We're going to pick this up. Next week is going to be, I'm telling you, this, this is not just, a, just an ordinary sermon series. I'm telling you, if we will just listen to what God is saying in this season, to our church and to you, it will shift everything that has been frustrating you up until this point. I'm talking to myself too. I'm talking to myself as well. Listen to me, listen to me. I woke up Friday morning, Elder Sigler, and we're going to talk about this. It almost sounded like a bomb exploded on the inside of me. I got up out of sleep, and this is what I heard the Lord say. The Lord said, sharpen your axe. We're going to talk about what that looks like. Because most of us go through life with a dull axe trying to chop down an oak tree. And we think if we just hit that tree harder, if we just hit that tree harder, if we just hit that tree harder, that if, well, eventually it's going to come down. But we forget the most important thing, which is sharpening the axe. Two lumberjacks, they will ask that question. 
if you had two hours to chop down this tree, how would you use your time? And one of the lumberjacks said, I'll spend the first hour and a half sharpening my axe. Some of you will get that at Luby's right when you cut into your chicken fried steak with the gravy on top. No, listen to me. Listen to me. Most of us would spend all of our time trying to chop the tree. And the lumberjack said, the way I get this tree down is I'm going to sharpen my axe so that when I hit that tree, pop, 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 tree going to come down. While this other joker sweating for two hours and the tree still standing. And most of us don't see the results of what God wants to do in our lives because we haven't taken the time to sharpen our axe. Let me tell you what sharpening the axe, let me leave that on. That's another message. It exploded on the inside of me because that axe, come on somebody, that axe, that axe can be a weapon of protection. It can also be a tool to build. Y'all not listening to what I'm saying. The Lord said we're walking around with axes that are dull. And most of us think that the tree going to come down just because of effort. And the Lord said this, Ray, you're not missing it because of your effort. You, you grinding, bro. Some of my people grinding. It's not their effort, it's their approach. Y'all ain't listening to me. Y'all ain't listening to me. The scripture said Peter had toiled all night. And when Jesus showed up, he just said to Peter, sharpen your axe. Peter was, had his net on this side of the boat. All Jesus said was, cast the net on the other side. But he had toiled all night and caught nothing. And most of us walking around with an axe. And just, <laughs> And the Lord says, sharpen that axe, bro. It's not your effort, it's your approach. So this is where I close. Y'all got to be here next week. Invite your uncle, your daddy, your mama them, your baby's kid. Who, who, invite them tomorrow. It's next week because we're going to be talking about this. And you will start to see the shift in your own life personally, but you will see the shift all around this church. You'll see. You'll see, as we obey God, as we obey God, as we obey God. So this is where I close. Uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. Hebrews 6, 10 through 12. I won't even get to verse 15. Because verse, verse 15, if I get to verse 15, we're going to be here another 40 minutes. But here it goes. Listen to me. Verse 10, it says, for God is not unjust to forget your work and your labor of love which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. God keeps impeccable records. Ah, he keeps impeccable records. And the scripture says he is not unjust to forget. He's seen everything that you have done in his name, on his behalf, and in service to others. How do you honor and serve a God who needs nothing? God really doesn't need nothing from us. That's why his name is El Shaddai. He is the 
all-sufficient one. Let me tell you something. God is not some big narcissist in heaven who is just dying for us to open our mouth and start praising him. He doesn't need it. He is self-sufficient. He is not egotistical or narcissistic. The reason he encourages us to worship is because we need it. Because in our worship, we reorient our focus away from what was, what is, and we fix our eyes on Jesus. He doesn't need your thanksgiving. He doesn't need your praise. He is God all by himself. Listen to me. He is God all by himself. He doesn't need it. He doesn't need any, any of it. He doesn't need any of it. We need it, though. We need it. We need it. We need it. And he's seen every song, every act of worship, every act of service. He's not, he's not unjust to forget. Listen to me. He doesn't need it. But though ultimately, we talk about serving God. The way we serve God is by serving others. And he says you're, he's not unjust. He says what you're doing to the least of these is done as if it were done unto me. And he says, I've seen how you've ministered to the saints and continue to minister to them. I see it all. And he says, and we desire that each of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Listen to this. I won't even go to what I just read, but this is where I'm going to end it. That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those. Imitate those. Imitate those who through faith inherit the promise. I know y'all looking at me preaching, but y'all missed the whole point of why I read it. It's not through those who through faith inherit the promise. It's those who through faith and How do you and I inherit the promise of God? It's not just through faith. It is through faith and patience. Because the race that God puts before us requires endurance. We have to grow into the picture that we see. And it takes time. It took Joseph 13 years. Abraham 25. I could go on and on. David 14. And God says, what I'm bringing you into, yeah, I showed you the picture. It's on the inside of you, but it's going to require some endurance. It's going to require some patience. And can I tell you what f patience is? Y'all heard it before me say it before. I'm going to give you this one, but I'm going to give you a second one as we close. We've said that faith is learned, I mean, patience is learning to move at somebody else's pace. Patience is learning to move at somebody else's pace. For those of you who married, you know. If y'all got dinner, reservations at seven. Husband ready and dressed. Hey, baby, it's 6.30, you ready? Yeah, baby, I'm ready. How you ready? You ain't even got no clothes on. Yet. Still doing the makeup. Right? And guess what we say? Hey, baby, I'm going to be in the car. 
But how many of you realize that car ain't going nowhere? <laughs> Until Bay ready. That's what patience is. Is learning to move at somebody else's pace. And the scripture says, a thousand years is as a day to the Lord. And one day is as a thousand years. And God is not slack as some count slackness. So one definition of patience is learning to move at God's pace. Can I give you another definition of patience? Patience is faith prolonged. Patience is faith extended. I'm talking about learning to believe. Learning to continue to believe. While you wait. And the Lord says we ought to be imitators of those who inherit the promise, not just because they believed. But it was through faith and patience that we inherit the promise. The only way we do this, City Church, is if you and I keep our eyes on Jesus. If you and I keep our eyes on Jesus as he's giving the picture on the inside of us greater resolution and clarity, as he's adjusting all the pixels in the picture, while we wait, keep our eyes on Jesus. Father, and the team can come now as we close. Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more details about City Church and for other resources, visit us online at www.citychurchtv.com or contact us via email at info at If you are encouraged or inspired by today's message, we ask that you prayerfully consider partnering with us financially, either in a one-time gift or as a monthly partner. No gift is too small. We have three convenient ways for you to give. Via our website at citychurchtv.com backslash give. Via text, text City Church TV and the amount that you would like to give to 77977. By mail, mail your check or money order to City Church Global Ministries, 8105 Razor Boulevard, Box 90, Plano, Texas, 75024. Once again, thank you for downloading today's message. We look forward to connecting with you soon.